from the All Indiana Podcast Network. This is Who's Got Next? Who's Got Next with Wish TV's Charlie Clifford. Now, here's Charlie Clifford. This is week four. Your Colts Titans preview, Charlie Clifford, Peter Hood. We will be joined momentarily by former Colts wide receiver Austin Colley. Life updates. What's going on when he's watching the Colts at home from Utah? Old friends that are still really good friends, especially from that Colts team that made the Super Bowl his rookie year. His crazy ascension, what could have been without the injuries with Austin Collie, and of course, just looking back on it all and, and putting everything into perspective. Really enjoyed this chat with uh, Austin Collie, Pete. You, you forgot to mention uh, my favorite part of the interview, which is which is when I boxed him into a corner and made him choose who throws a better ball, Peyton Manning or Tom Brady. <laughs> I, you're right. And from what I remember, um, it's a bit of a surprising answer. So you're just going to have to wait to get that one. But, no, thank you that's to, a, thank you to that's Austin College. for you right there. That's a team. There you smokes. go. There you go. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey, Injury Report Wednesday. Um, Great article from Zach Kiefer today about Jim Ursay summoning the Colts coaches following the loss at home against the Titans last year, completing a sweep for the Titans. Carson Wentz, of course, throws the uh, left-handed interception in his own end zone, which is the difference in the game, essentially. Um, So apparently Ursay laid into the coaching staff about reestablishing the Colts as the team in the AFC South. There's still a lot to be sorted out in that department, Pete, along with a Jacksonville team that looks like it may be the best team through three weeks in this division. Your thoughts on the injury reports for both teams on Wednesday because there's so much to get into here. Yeah, I think, you know, for the most part, the, the guys who were listed on there for the Colts were guys that we expected to see. Obviously, we saw Julian Blackman go down uh, during the game on Sunday. You know, DeForest Buckner obviously has been has been dealing with the elbow for for a little bit of, a little while now. Stephon Gilmore uh, left the game for a little bit on Sunday. So those guys, Yannick Ngakwe was on the, the the injury report last week. Bernard Raymond, the two guys that. Uh, a little bit of a red flag for me, Ryan Kelly and Jonathan Taylor. Yeah. Certainly not expect to see either of those names on the injury list. And um, both were DMPs. It, it, neither neither practiced in any capacity. 
they weren't limited. Uh, they, they just didn't practice. So uh, certainly something to monitor um, as the week goes on because, um, you know, obviously this Colts uh, offensive line, if you're missing Ryan Kelly, we know um, how they've struggled uh, at, the, at the right guard position on the interior with blitz pickup and all the, all the things that we've talked about. So um, not having Ryan Kelly, if, if, that were to, uh, if that trend were to continue, if him not practicing throughout the week, uh, that would obviously be a major concern. And then if, if you're taking Jonathan Taylor off the field, um, you're obviously taking off, uh, you know, the Colts' primary playmaker on offense and one of the most explosive players in the league. But you look at the other side, and uh, the Titans aren't exactly healthy either. No, we're, oh my goodness. We're just, we're just we were just uh, chatting uh, before you, you hit the record button here, and they're, they're signing guys off the street, guys like Joe Schobert and LaRaven Clark and Mario. Hang Edward, on. Guys with, Everybody yes, do the LaRaven. Yeah, they're the Raven. Flap those you wings. Heard that correctly. You Flap heard those that correctly, wings, everybody. Cultures. He's back. He was on Philly's practice squad, I believe, before this move. Peter, the, the Raven Clark revenge game is officially what we're dubbing this weekend at Luke Soil Stadium now. <laughs> oh my gosh, um, this happened to the Titans. I think it was just two years ago, where it was the same situation. They had the most players in terms of guys on IR. And they still found a way to win the division. And I think they are far from out of it after beating Vegas in just basically a street fight last week. They just out-toughed the Raiders, especially early, built a lead, um, hung on late, two-point conversion defensively that Derek Carr could not convert. That was the difference in potentially, I believe, going to overtime. So it's the same old Titans formula. They're going to try to beat you up. And it's worked against the Colts of late. Let's just be honest and tip the cap. If you're Frank Reich, especially with what Kiefer shared earlier today, it's no secret that this is priority one for the owner. Jim Irsay is putting Tennessee to the side, recapturing the AFC South and going from there. And it starts Sunday, as you said. I I think we're a long way from thinking, oh gosh, is Jonathan Taylor actually not going to play? But he never misses practice, Pete. We're, we're talking going back to college, going back to high school. I'm trying to remember if he's missed how many practices he's missed as a Colt. It's been, I don't know how many. I, it can't be more than one or two. I'm trying it's, to think the specific week where he was a little dinged up, but the guy's a machine. It, yeah, he's he's been an Iron Man, so concerning for sure. And Obviously, it's still early in the week. I mean, you see this all the time in the NFL where, where a guy will get held out. Maybe he's got a little bumper. I mean, Taylor Taylor's listed as a toe injury. It could be something very minor, uh, but they don't want to aggravate it, so they sit him out on Wednesday, and then, and then he could very well return to practice in a limited capacity uh, tomorrow or Friday. So I don't think there's any reason necessarily to panic at this point. But no. like I said, if, if the trend continues – um, with Kelly and Taylor not being out there, in addition to the likes of Julian Blackman, Stephon Gilmore, DeForest Buckner, the list goes on. Certainly, again, there's uh, there's going to be some cause for concern going into Sunday. But uh, you know, as I mentioned, the the, the Titans aren't exactly a, a, a full bill of health here either. They they got some pretty some pretty major oh, names, huge. some of which were were lost at the beginning of the season. When you think about Harold Landry, yes. you think about Taylor Lewan. I mean, they lost their two stalwarts on the offensive and defensive lines, uh, not even two games into the season. And, um, you know, they've been dealing with the repercussions of that. And 
Zach Cunningham, one of their best linebackers, uh, he didn't practice today. Austin Hooper didn't practice today. Their star tight end, Amani Hooker, didn't practice. He's he's their best safety, so um, they're they're beat up as well. So it's 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 only week four of the NFL season. But you look at this injury uh, injury list, and you think it's week fourteen. No, you're right. And Vrabel always just finds a way to piece it together. You're probably asking yourself, all right, AJ Brown's on the Eagles. I've seen what he's been able to do in his short time in Philadelphia. They're they're hot. Who's catching the ball for the Titans? That would be Robert Woods, former wideout in Los Angeles most recently, and then Traylon Burks, the rookie out of Arkansas. They've combined for 29 targets. Kyle Phillips is the only other wideout or pass catcher for that matter with double digit targets. So Burks, and he's 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 banged up too. Yeah, Kyle Burks, Phillips is. Burks. Oh, Kyle is as well. Okay. Yeah, Kyle Phillips is also I think he's dealing with a shoulder injury right now. Another rookie. So yep. they could be extremely thin in terms of what else do you have to work with? Nick Westbrook Akina. Uh There who, we go. Shout out to the Hoosiers. He tore up last year. I think he gave Xavier Rhodes the business, if I recall, in Tennessee in that first game. Um I don't know. It just seems on paper. Unless some of these Colts who didn't practice today, these turn into actual injury stories late in the week. I mean, advantage Colts big time in terms of who's going to be out there, no? Yeah, and, and I think the the betting line certainly reflects that. Colts currently a three-and-a-half-point favorite, despite the fact that, obviously, you mentioned that the Titans have owned this series as of late, uh, have won uh, four or five overall, and Colts haven't beaten them at Lucas Oil Stadium since 2018. So, you look at the trends, and you would think that this might be a pick'em game, or or the Titans might might even be slightly favored, especially considering how the Colts have struggled offensively this year. But the fact that the Colts are a three and a half point favorite, I think, indicates um, just like you said, where the Titans are at right now from an injury standpoint. And then Charles, let's let's just call it like it is, man. Even when healthy, this defense is not very good. This Tennessee tight. I know the Colts' offense no. has struggled this year. But this Titans defense, man, uh, 32nd in opponents' rushing yards per attempt this year. That's 32nd out of 32. They're dead last in the league in opponents' rushing yards given up. Uh, they've given up some explosive yards in the in the passing game as well. Their third corner situation is a mess right now. They got a first round former first round pick in Caleb Farley, who was essentially benched last week for another guy that they pulled off the street, and he played terrible. So. Um, they're 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 a little bit they're trying to figure things out defensively right now. They kind of hung their hat last year uh, on being disruptive uh, on the defensive line, but um, their their pass rush has been so beat up with no Harold Landry. He's out for the year. Bud Dupree's been out. Uh, Adenier has been out. Those guys combined for 17 and a half sacks last year, and, and right now they're just trying to kind of make up that production as they go. Danico Autry, yeah. Jeffrey Simmons, still some still some notable names on that line, but. It's not the same unit that kind of carried them to the number one seed last year. Um, and then from an offensive standpoint, um, again, no Taylor Lewan at left tackle. They're playing a backup there. They're playing a, a rookie at right tackle. Um, and like you said, no no A.J. Brown. So I, I st- I, you still have to obviously respect a Mike Rabel coach team. Um, you, you know that, that there, there's going to be no back down, no quit in this group. But at the same time, I don't think this is the same Titans team that we saw come to Lucas Oil Stadium last October. This no. is a team that, if the Colts are relatively healthy on Sunday, 
this is a game you should win, and this is a game, to me, you have to win if you're going to be a legitimate contender in this division. There's no question. I mean, starting from the moment we saw that trade pop up, oh my gosh, A.J. Brown's leaving the division, there was a signal that the time is now to change the tide, and there's no excuses. Everyone in that building knows it. And adding on these injury storylines on top of the one road trip this team's taken so far was a 41-7 to loss in Buffalo where they, very much like the Colts in Week 2, didn't get off the bus. This should be... Uh, the Colts moving to 2-1-1 one, and one, and looking ahead to a Denver team on Thursday night that we're, we have probably more questions than answers after watching what just happened in primetime against the Niners. Pete, what else do you have? We've got uh, Austin Collie here a moment away, but any closing thought for Sunday um, for folks? And also we're, we're going to need to make our game picks here. Yeah, I, I would just say you, you mentioned you mentioned Denver and the and the quick turnaround on Thursday. Obviously, we'll see where the Colts are at from a health standpoint coming out of this game. But I think you're looking at this schedule maybe a little bit differently now than you were at the beginning of the year, right? I mean, um, the the Broncos perhaps aren't the juggernaut. It's it, it wasn't. It's it's not the plug Russell Wilson in and all of a sudden become one of the most explosive offenses in the league like many people thought it would be. Um, you know they, they've certainly struggled offensively although they've been pretty solid on the defensive side of the ball for what it's worth uh dvoa football outsiders which you know i'm a i'm a big proponent of charles we love it according according to the uh the the kind folks over uh, at football outsiders the colts schedule their remaining schedule ranks 25th in the league in terms of its difficulty love it so so i think you know, there, there are some there are some gettable wins out there. Obviously, you didn't start the way you wanted it to, but I think you can look at this. We may look back on this win against Kansas City as a potential turning point in the season because I do think, um, like I said, this Titans game is extremely winnable this week with the position they're in health-wise right now. Um, Denver is very beatable. And then you look at a couple more division games after that. You know, this, this team could go on a run here. Um, if, if they can find a way to stay relatively healthy and, and uh, hopefully that continues on Sunday. Who would, have, who would have thought, looking at this, as you said, maybe the second quarter of the season, you're circling that Jacksonville visit to Lucas Oils. Oh, that's going to be that's going to be the tough one. That's going to be the tricky one to figure out. Not Denver on Thursday night, not Carson Wentz's return game, not going down to Nashville. It could be Trevor Lawrence in the something yeah. and one Jags. I mean, they're gosh, they've looked fantastic, Pete. I, I think, uh, I think a lot of folks uh, around the league and, and here in Indianapolis, especially probably are looking at that loss in Jacksonville just a little bit differently now than they were a week ago, given, uh, given what the Jags were able to do against granted a beat up chargers team, but still to go on the road like that and, and dominate the way they did. Um, that team's legit. We we talked. You you. I'll, I'll give credit to you, man. You you pointed it out, but before the season started, you said, "Why can't the Jags be this year's Bengals?" And and you may have been onto something there because uh, they they look every bit the the legitimate contender with with Trevor Lawrence pulling the strings at quarterback that people thought they could be. My favorite Lawrence number right now. Both he and Peyton Manning start 0 and 9 on the road in their careers. Pick up their first road win against the Chargers. Mm. That's, that's that's not what Colts fans want to hear. No, we don't we don't no. want to have to deal with the Peyton Manning. And, and now everyone's signing off this podcast. We need to get yeah. you to the Austin Collie interview. We're going to make our game picks after you hear from Austin. Really hope you enjoy catching up with 
who was a fan favorite here before some unfortunate injuries came his way. Uh, but life is well, and here's the full interview with Austin Collie. The number one thing we want to start with is, as a rookie wide receiver or a first or second year guy who has seen the field very little, what's the biggest transition in terms of getting on the field and getting comfortable and getting confidence? How would you explain that? Because you just you went off your rookie year and made it look really easy. Yeah, I mean, to, to be honest with you, it it uh, it all comes down to get with your quarterback as much as you can, right? Like I, I was I was constantly, and I think Peyton can tell you, I was constantly nagging Peyton, right? Asking him questions. I was always in his hip pocket asking questions and always, you know, trying to get his time after practice just to kind of sit down and watch film and to go through um, just kind of what he's thinking, right? Like I wanted to know what he was uh, what he was looking at, the things that he saw, um, and trying to spend as much time with him as as uh, as I could, right? I think that was a that was something I learned early on, right? Like if, uh, if I could make my quarterback, uh, uh, you know, a good friend, right. Both on and off the field, uh, things were going to, uh, business was going to be great on the field. Right. T- take me back Austin to, to 2009. Obviously you, you come in as a, as a fourth round draft pick here, you're coming into a situation with a stacked roster, a stacked wide receiving room there with the Colts. You're, you, you got one of the greatest of all time throwing you the football what was that first interaction with Peyton Manning like? Do you, do you remember it? And, and, and were you nervous? What, what was the what was the first meeting, I guess, with the sheriff like? Uh, yeah, I mean, it was extremely insightful, right? Like, I, I thought I thought I worked hard. I thought I knew a lot about the game, and then and then just being around him and being around guys like Reggie and Dallas and Jeff um, and Gonzo, right? Like the 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 amount of knowledge that they had uh, about playing the position, about the offense. Um, about what they look in at, a, you know, what they're looking at at a defense. Um, it, it, it was kind of eye-opening, right? Uh, I, I found out real quick that I didn't know as much as I thought. Um, but, but, but being in the room with all those guys, man, I, I had to pitch myself every day, right? Like I, I was watching those guys, some of those guys in high school, um, not to age any of the, any of the guys that, uh, that were on the team, but I was watching those guys in high school, man. And the fact that I was in the huddle with them, um, getting, uh, some, some, uh, you know, some teachings from them. Like it was, it was surreal. Like that, that first year, man was, and, and every year after that was just a, a surreal experience. You go off in that playoff run touchdown against Baltimore buck 20 and a touchdown against the jets. You have the longest play of the offense in the super bowl. I know, you know, we would love your thoughts on, on that experience in a minute, but, how much better can you get in one year in the NFL, Austin, specifically when you start out? Because it, it just felt like you were able to take it point A to point B in an impressive fashion. So, uh, I mean, obviously it was the, the opportunity that, that that arose, right? Like I, I can't, uh, I'm not naive to think that I was put in a pretty, you know, damn good situation with the, the guys I was playing with and was, you know, with who was throwing me the ball. Um, but like I said, I, I think I, I didn't waste – any time, right. I didn't waste a minute, uh, my rookie year, uh, as far as taking the opportunity to learn, um, which was, which was huge for me. Um, and then, you know, I, I think from year one to year two is kind of when you're going to see the biggest jump, which that, I mean, that was the case for me. Um, uh, just because you're, you're more settled in, I, I I'd be lying to you if I, if I didn't, uh, you know, if I told you that my first year, I knew exactly what I was doing. I didn't. Right. 
there'd be times where I'd be like in, in the route, still not sure if I was running the right route or not. Right. Just cause I was still learning the offense, but that second year I was able to kind of settle in getting a full off season, um, with Peyton and the guys, uh, you know, I, I could, uh, it was finally, I'd finally reached a point where I could stop thinking and just kind of play to my natural ability. Right. Um, and I think that, that that's kind of the case for, for most guys, especially in the wide out position, right. Going from that first year to the second year. You mentioned being a rookie and still learning the offense and, and learning what to do and, and what not to do. I don't know if you've heard this story before, but Pat McAfee tells a, a legendary story about, about <laughs> Peyton Manning being a, being a savage. And obviously you're involved. It, it, I guess what, what do you remember? It was something about a, you trying to make a one-handed catch and Peyton didn't like it. If you could uh, repeat that story for us and, and, and what you remember about it. Yeah, no, I, I can't remember if it was a one-handed catch or I, I screwed up on the play. You know, Pat probably has a, a far better memory than I do. But, um, you know, I, I basically came back thinking, ah, you know, damn, made a mistake, you know, but we're on the three or five-yard line, right? I think it was first down or second down, right? We got two more to go and, uh, I'll, you know, I'll get that one back. And as I'm heading back to the huddle, kind of talking myself back up, you know, Peyton, uh, Peyton said, bro, to the sideline, right? Um, yeah. So it's, uh, there, there's no place here for that. Right. Uh, and then when I try to go back in, uh, and Jim, you know, when coach Caldwell tried to put me back in, he's like, no, no, not, not for this, you know, not, not to finish off this next series. He could sit on, uh, sit on the sidelines and kind of think about it. Right. Um, but th those are the, I, I gotta be honest. Those are the type of things though, that, that's, um, really set the tone that, that, uh, you know, we had to be damn near perfect. Right. In order for us to, uh, uh, get to where we wanted to be that year. Right. I mean, that, that's, that was something that, uh, uh, you know, uh, set the precedent across the entire organization. Right. And took my level of playing to, you know, to a different level, right. Like he, I, I hit a potential that I didn't even know I had. And it was because he kind of set that, that bar. Right. You mentioned early in year two, Austin, I mean, you went off those first six weeks. I think you had six touchdowns buck 60 buck 70 in Denver. Like what is the euphoria of dominating a national football league game to that degree feel like? Oh, it's, it's most fun I've ever had played football. Right. Cause like literally for the first time, everything just kind of came together. Right. And, and it was really just a, a moment of, uh, uh, you know, as Kevin Costner says, uh, and for the love of the game, right? Like I, I, I silenced the mechanism and everything just kind of just, you know, was, was exactly how it should be. I didn't have to think about anything I was doing. And really, I, I felt like a kid again, playing the game, right. Uh, not worried about, uh, you know, screwing up or not worried about running the wrong route or, 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 uh, the ball not coming to me, et cetera. Right. So it was, uh, it, it was a true state of just, you know, uh, of, uh, performance euphoria. So obviously you, you get off to that great start in, in 2010 on, on your way to a, a Pro Bowl season. And obviously, you know, all Colts fans remember uh, the, the game in Philadelphia where, where you go down and uh, such such scary moments, I'm sure, for you and for your teammates and everyone watching at home. Um, if you could take us take us back to that night and, and, and kind of what you remember and, and just everything about it. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I don't remember much. <laughs> I... Uh, uh, you know, uh, you know, speaking to the neurologists and, and things like that, you know, they, they said it's probably the longest they've seen a, a player knocked out for. I mean, it's, it's a few minutes. Um, 
And, uh, you know, I just remember getting back to the, getting back to the house and my wife was concerned, was telling me that, uh, you know, I, I wasn't making any sense on the phone. Um, and then I just remember being really tired, right. And wanting to sleep, uh, and feeling that for, for quite a long time. Right. But, uh, you know, at, at that point in time, I didn't think it was going to snowball into, into what it did. Right. I thought it would be like a one-time occurrence and put it behind me and, and just keep on keeping on. But, uh, yeah, no, it's just uh, kind of the, the first of first of many. You've been outspoken saying, look, it was a no-win situation for you. You're following the advice of the best doctors in the world. They're saying you're good to go. People on the outside slowly after these build up saying, oh, does this guy care about his family? Is he going to think about his own health? Why is he still out there? When you look back about how you handled all that, the fact that after a rough ride in India at the end, you latch on in New England, you end up in an AFC championship game playing like 70% of the game against Peyton, no less. Like, are there any regrets about anything, how you handled knowing, you know, obviously your life was on the line there to some degree. How do you look back now that it's been a handful of years, Austin? Um, I don't know. The, the point is you can't go back. Right. And, and, uh, it, uh, it is what it is. I like, I'll never take for granted the, the time that I had playing with those guys and, and, you know, getting an opportunity to, to, uh, you know, live out my, my childhood dream and being able to play with, uh, you know, the guys that I did and develop the relationships that I did. And, you know, there's not many people that get to say they've been able to play in two AFC championship games in a Super Bowl, Right. So, um, you know, I, I, I tend not to think, you know, how I would change things, uh, if I could go back in time, cause he can't. Right. And, uh, yeah, it is, it is what it is. But, uh, like I said, I, you know, those experience kind of, uh, molded me and define me into who I am today as a, as a dad and as a father. And, um, like I said, you, you know, I, I got to experience things that not, not a lot of people did. Right. You got to live out my childhood dream. Awesome. What's your, what's your relationship with football now? How, how much do you watch the game? Um, how much do you still love the game and, and kind of, uh, I know we, we were talking a little bit before you're doing some coaching and, and, and getting involved with the, the youth part of it now. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I love the game of football, man. I, I think it's the greatest game on the planet. Um, and, you know, try to be as rounded as, as much as I can. Um, like I said, you know, I'm, I'm coaching my two boys uh, in, a, in a seven on seven league and, and, uh, and pop Warner and, you know, uh, my wife comes from a football family, so we at least try to have, you know, uh, one, if not two games going on at the, at the same time when we can, right. Uh, just even if it is in the background, right. Uh, just kind of is a calming sound in the, in the calling household for sure. All right. Cheat, cheat for these rookies dealing with Reggie as a coach, please help these guys out. Give them, <laughs> make their life easier. Austin. What's the advice? Oh, are you kidding me? I, I, you know, wrote, Reggie was my coach, right. When I was there. So, uh, I, I, I know exactly what they're going through. Right. Reg is, uh, I, I obviously I'm a little bit biased, but I don't think there's a better receiver ever to play the game. Right. The, the, the guy just all, all around. Right. I mean, there, obviously there's guys who are notorious for running routes and making big plays and, and being physical, but, but I, I've, I've never come across a receiver, never watched a receiver be so well-rounded as a wide receiver, right. Um, from blocking to, uh, running routes to speed to hands, right. I don't think I've seen better hands on anybody than, than what Reg had. Right. And so, uh, my advice is just sit back and soak in, try and, you know, 
in everything uh, that, that he is coming out of his mouth, right? Because whatever's coming out of his mouth is gold. And it is not, it's just, it's cigar smoke, right? Was he a cigar kind of yeah. back in the day? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No, he, he loves his cigars. As a matter of fact, I got him, uh, I think, uh, after my rookie year, I got him a, a box as like a, a thank you, right. For, for helping me out. Who, who are some other maybe former Colts teammates that, that people around here know and love that, that you still keep in touch with? You want to know what's funny is, is, uh, <laughs> we, uh, we all keep in touch pretty regularly right. That, that, that old squad. Um, so, uh, you know, I keep in touch with Dallas very frequently Gonzo, right. I, Gonzo was at the house, uh, not too long ago. Um, Dallas was here, you know, we were on a ski trip with, with, uh, Ryan Dean, uh, this past winter, like some, I think it was December or January. Right. Uh, you know, I'll, we'll, we'll all keep in touch with Stokely and, and we're all on a, a, a text, you know, thread that we, uh, you know, is, is being, uh, uh, you know, added to, I think on a, on a, you know, every other day basis right now. So it's, it, uh, that is the one thing that I learned, man, is, is coming into a situation like that, being on a team like that, I didn't understand the uniqueness of the locker room or the relationship that we had in the locker room until I went somewhere else. Right. And, uh, you know, it's just a, a testament to the guys that we had in there, the the veterans that we had in there and, and what they kind of developed. And that's, you know, it's not a coincidence why they, they were the most winningest pro uh, uh, team in you know, that decade from 2000 to 2010. Right. Um, it all starts in the locker room. It all starts with that, that brotherhood and uh, those veterans did a, a fantastic job of building that up. Take, take us, take us inside that group chat a little bit. If you can, is, is it, is it mostly football talking there? Is it talk about the families, the kids? I mean, what's, what's going down in that group chat on a daily basis? Yeah. Just the regular stuff, man. Just family stuff, football stuff, you know, guys, you know, talking trash, uh, you know, about their alma maters, right. Who's going to win if they, if they happen to, you know, if we happen to have two, uh, two guys with, uh, you know, two alma maters that are playing each other that week, just, you know, typical guy stuff, man, typical buddy stuff. Right. Uh, Nothing, nothing out of the norm, right? What's the deal? Um, quickly on New England, you show up. I think you got cut three times in like six months, and they end up playing you a ton in that title game. Do you have a Belichick story that you you go to in your hip pocket when people ask about what was it like with Bill? I don't think there's one one particular story. I, I Bill Bill that. New England is a unique place, man. Like it, it's, if you like to talk, don't go there. Right. If you like to chat it up, don't go there. I mean, I love my time there because I, I am more like a, let's, let's show up and let's just do business and then you know, leave it at that. And, and so I, I felt like, you know, it was uh, it was a great experience. Some people don't like that. Right. A lot of, a lot of players don't like that, but you know, Bill had that no nonsense type of attitude he, you know, you knew what he expected of you and, and, uh, um, there wasn't any, you know, uh, gray area. It was either black or white. Um, but his, and, and the amount of, you know, things that I learned from Tom and the amount of things that I learned from Bill was, you know, was priceless as well. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, Bill was probably one of the most intelligent, if not the most intelligent person I've ever been around as far as football goes, right? Like his, his manner of preparation is unlike any coach I've ever seen. Right. Um, I mean, he's getting down to specifics, uh, and correlating that with, with outcomes. Right. Um, 
And uh, he's not just giving you the, you know, the, we need to run the ball. We need to convert on first down or on third, third down. We got to stay out of third and long. Right. I mean, those are the typical, you know, boilerplate, you know, you're going to get that from every coach, like he's the win the game, but you know, he, he drilled it down the, you know, we got to stop X player, keep them under X amount of yards. Right. Uh, we got to, you know, uh, in the second half, you know, we got to convert on this many first downs and we'll win the ball game. Right. Like it was crazy. Who, who throws a better ball, Peyton or Tom? Oh, boy. <laughs> Ooh, uh, I don't know. It, it depends on what your preference is as a QB. Like, like Peyton, Peyton, every time Peyton threw the ball, I mean, it, was, it seemed like a watermelon, right? Like, it was so big. It was so easy to catch. Um, Tom, when I was playing with him, he had a rocket, man. He had a cannon. Um, he definitely had a tighter spiral. He probably had a stronger arm at that point. Um, and, and he put it in the, uh, the right places. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm biased, man. I, I thought uh, Peyton threw the most catchable ball, even though, even if it was a little bit wobbly. Wise answer. He knows his audience, Charlie. <laughs> Look, we'll get you out of here. A couple quick ones to end it. Um, it's been a rough week. Look, you sat through a two and 14 year, and I'm sure 13 straight losses to start that year was almost unbearable. Um, with the expectations this year, with Matt Ryan knowing what his objective is here, you know what what have you gathered through two weeks that you think has has stood out and that can change and, and turn this thing around beginning Sunday against KC? Um, I don't know. I I think you can you can always tell when you know. Uh, when a QB and his, and his receiving team or the offense just kind of leaves it at the door. And, and uh, as far as the relationship goes, right. Like I, I know it sounds silly, but getting together with the offense as much as you can. And I don't know if they had a full off season. I don't know what they did in the off season. Right. But you can just tell when an offense is, is uh, has the dynamic of, of kind of what we had uh, in the years I was there and, and, prior to me being there, right. You can tell that those guys had a close knit kind of bond and, and it's kind of, it's a bit unrealistic to think that they can, they can establish that in such a short amount of time. Right. But I mean, I would try my hardest to, to, you know, to get that going as quick as possible. Right. Cause you can kind of tell that there's a little bit of a disconnect there. Um, and, and, you know, like I said, I think, uh, uh, at the start of the first year, yeah, my rookie year, the start of the first season or start of the first week, sorry, start of the first week, I think Peyton and I started meeting on, on a Thursday, every Thursday after practice. And then after two to three weeks, like the majority of the offense was in there, right? Wow. After, after hours, right? After the, the place shut down, right? So that, that type of stuff, I think, is the things that, that catapult you and kind of be together and, and kind of create and establish that that unique bond. So when you get on the field, there's that relationship right between the wide receivers and the, and, and the QB, right. Um, kind of getting on the same wavelength, but you know, it's, it's two games in he's, you know, he's new to the program, probably new to the offense. Right. Um, you know, it, it, it takes time to establish that. Right. So I, I think Colts fans and, and, you know, the Colts in general are going to have to be patient with them. Hey, last one for me, Austin. We got a, we got a bunch of Notre Dame fans in this area, a bunch of Notre Dame fans listening to this podcast right now. They're coming down to Vegas to face your BYU Cougars, I believe, next weekend. Give us the scouting report on BYU. What 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 are your uh, what are your expectations for that game down in Vegas? So I'm I'm, I'm a big Notre uh, big Notre Dame fan as well, 
right? Like I, I love Notre Dame, but uh, unfortunately, uh, it, it may be wise that Notre Dame doesn't come to Vegas. I'll, I'll just say that. <laughs> from what from what from what I've seen from what I've seen in the first two weeks or the first what three or four weeks, it's it's uh, it hasn't been great. And uh, I know the Cougars just lost to Oregon pretty big, but um, you know our, our defense, man, those guys fly around. They fly around. They're not afraid to to lay the lid and and. Uh, uh, it's going to be, a, it's going to be a great environment. I'm sure it'll be a great game. Awesome. We still see the 17s out, out at Lucas oil every Sunday. What is a quick message you could send back to Indy to, to folks who, uh, you know, wrecked your Jersey then and now. Oh, Indy's unique place, man. Uh, the, the love and support I got there and the love I, I, I and the support I continue to get from there, man. It is, uh, it always holds a, uh, a special place in my heart. So for, uh, uh, for those of you still rocking my Jersey, right. Bless your heart. Right. Uh, it, it may be time to, to switch it in for, for somebody new, but I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate the, uh, the love and support I always got out there. Right. It was, uh, it was crazy. Thank you to Austin Collie, still BYU's all time leading receiver legend up in that neck of the woods. And, Love to get the kind of final chapter to Pete of his brief season in New England, which had him within minutes of going back to another Super Bowl, which many Colts fans probably forget. Yeah, it was it was nice to to take a little trip down memory lane with him, both with his time in Indianapolis and then Charlie. I, honestly, I had forgotten um, until I did a little bit of prep for the interview that he played New England. It's it's easy to forget his his short tenure there, but. As he alluded to, I mean, the fact that uh, he can he can tell his his four kids that he got to catch footballs from both Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. Not too many humans on the planet can say that. So um, obviously, uh, you, you hate that his career was was cut short yeah. um, due to the injuries. But uh, certainly a fan favorite here in Indianapolis and a guy who uh, who's going to be remembered fondly here for a long time. The one question I wish I could have asked him was with how the game is officiated now as opposed to just, you know, a handful of years ago, 10, 10 years yeah. ago, does that change everything that happens to Austin Collie? I mean, we replayed that hit in Philadelphia. That was freaking nasty, Pete. And it bugged me so much. Asante Samuel, Collie's laying there, you know, lifeless, essentially. In Philly, all you hear is the stadium booing because they threw an un- unnecessary roughness penalty. Samuel's watching the interview and freaking out about the call, like two feet away. Like the Colts medical staff's looking at him like, Hey, we've, we've got a serious situation here. Can you move? Like yeah. you just, everything seems so it just stone ages compared to what life in the NFL is like today. And I think that, I think that's a good example of like, this game's getting better. This game's getting safer. Like that scene today, people would be calling for suspensions and, you know, you would have to come out and apologize if you acted that way with a player down severely hurt like that. Yeah, no, I I, I think you, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, um, there, there's there's obviously been a, a ton of strides made in that area, and I think, I think some of that can probably – be attributed to Austin Colley and the, and the concussions um, that he unfortunately suffered. Um, I think everybody who, who in the past, I think of Antonio Brown's hit when he got hit by Vontez perfect in the playoff game, yeah. you know, there were so, there were so many in that era um, 
that I think, you know, you, you add all of it together and what you get is, you know, the, the NFL having to look in the mirror and, um, and realize that, that change needed to be made. And to their credit, like you said, there's, there have been some positive advancements as far as dealing with concussions and, you know, making sure that uh, guys are held out when they need to be held out and guys are held accountable um, you know, i.e. the targeting penalties. And like you said, we have seen suspensions in the past, um, you know, when, when hits like that are made. So, um, yeah, I, I think the game from a, from a, from an injury standpoint, from a head injury standpoint is in a much better place than it is now. And, and I think in, in, in some small way, Austin Collie probably had something to do with that. Pete game picks week four, we have the Titans coming in as an underdog and knowing very well that, all right, this Colts team is going to be inspired. They're going to be playing with confidence at home after what happened last week. Do you expect the Colts to win? Do you expect the Colts to cover? Yeah, I really do. I think, like I, like I said previously, the, the way this Titans offense or the way this Titans defense has struggled, um, to me this is a, this is a get-right game for the Colts offense. If you can't I'll give you a little nugget, Charlie. I, I meant to meant to, to, to mention this yes. in the podcast on Monday, but it was it was easy to overlook uh, with with the way they were able to win the game last week. Uh, but that was actually in terms of a yards per play um, average, um, that was the least efficient performance the Colts have had since the 2018 loss in Jacksonville, where they lost six to nothing. No Cody way. Kessler. 3.8 no yards per play against the Chiefs last week. You have to get that out there. <laughs> in four years. Um, so you're, you're, you're obviously looking at, at a team that found a way to win last week, but an offense that's been sputtering in a lot of areas. You hope that that 16-play drive that they put together um, late in the game perhaps gives them a little bit of a confidence, a little bit of a spark. Uh, but if you can't – listen, if you can't run the ball, assuming Jonathan Taylor is going to be out there – if you can't run the ball against this defense, and if you aren't able to exploit some matchups um, against the secondary that has struggled as well, who could be uh, potentially missing its star safety and Amani Hooker, who didn't practice today, I mean, if you if you can't find a, a way to get right against these guys, um, I don't I don't know what to tell you. I, I think this is this is a perfect opportunity for the Colts to gain some confidence offensively, and then I think from a defensive standpoint. Um, it's a pretty good matchup for a team that has been as stout against the run as any team in the NFL. No, I, mean, I agree. Objective number one against the Titans is always to stop Derrick Henry, stop Derrick Henry, and then stop Derrick Henry are your top three objectives. Um, and I think that this Colts defensive line, the way they're playing right now, led by Grover Stewart and DeForest Buckner from a, from a run defense standpoint, is as good as it gets in the league. Um, so I think they're in a good position to do that. You make Ryan Tannehill beat you. Same game plan as Mahomes last week. You got to be sharp when it comes to boot discipline and keeping him in the pocket. Um, so if they can repeat that kind of same success they had with keeping Mahomes in the pocket last week against Tannehill, yeah. there's no AJ Brown to take the top off the defense anymore. Like we've mentioned, um, I think the Colts win this game. I'll say 27 to 17. I think they win somewhat handily. Um, get, get uh, got a little bit of momentum going into this week after the Chiefs win. Right. I think they ride it, and I think they, they get to two one and one. That's fair. I love the number on the. You said one more time, three point eight yards per play. 
Yeah, 3.8 yards per play, least efficient performance uh, since the uh, the 2018 game in Jacksonville where they lost 6 to nothing. So these are now my two favorite numbers for Week 4 Colts fans. That number from Peter Hood in relation to the win over the Chiefs. And then 3.6 yards per carry. That is Derrick Henry's average through three weeks. Peter, that is 38th in the National Football League. Titans, I'm telling you, man, this this is not the same team uh, that Colts fans have come to to despise over the last several years. Not that Colts fans aren't gonna aren't gonna boo the life out of Derrick Henry on Sunday, but they're just they're not running the football as effectively as they have in the past. Um, and they're not stopping the run as effectively as they have in the past either. And, um, again, it, a lot of that has to be attributed to not having Taylor Lewan and not having um, Harold Landry. And uh, I totally. think they're, they're kind of suffering the consequences uh, from, from losing both of those guys. So I think, as you pointed out, the contain on the weak side of the play-action bootleg game, which was as atrocious as I'd seen a Frank Reich team play and play it in Jacksonville where Trevor Lawrence was literally walking, strolling down the street every time they did a play action and the entire line was running over. We're done ripping on the line. They played fantastic against the chiefs. And then equally as important, if you're Frank Reich establish that play action game again, when that team was moving the ball in Houston, I want to see for the first time all year a defense look wobbly against the Colts offense where they are just guessing if it's going to be Jonathan Taylor or pass because we all know if this thing is going to get to where Jim Irsay wants it to go, the only you know X factor you have outside of Jonathan Taylor is using him as a decoy in the play-action game and opening up down-the-field routes where your blocking holds up and really just creating that one-two punch. We have not seen that. We saw it in flashes against the Texans. You know, we rewatched that film, really liked it, but we haven't really seen that the last two weeks. And um, I think that's priority one if you're Frank Reich. I am going to say Colts win, but I'm not ready to say that this is going to be as easy as it appears, Pete. Um, For whatever reason, all three weeks, we've been totally surprised and – um, I think that continues. I'm going to ride this streak until I see otherwise. So I think it's the Colts by a field goal, and I have no idea how we get there, but I'm going to call it 30 to 27. 30 to 27 that's, Colts. That's that's fair. I, I think if if your prediction is accurate, and the Colts maybe don't win um, in a in a dominant fashion, but they're able to put 30 points on the board. On Sunday, I think Colts fans are going to be feeling a lot better about this team seeing the offense produce like that going to Denver on Thursday because that's the that's the missing piece right now, right? It's it's like you mentioned D- defensively. I think everybody was pleased with what they saw on Sunday. You've been stout against the run. Yeah, the coverage was great against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. The the the, the confidence has now been built on the defensive side of the ball. Now we need to see this offense, um, which is 26th in the league right now in yards per play we need to see them get some rhythm going get some confidence going and so if they're able to come out and put up 30 and win the game regardless of how many the titans score i think a lot of folks will come away from that feeling pretty good about this team indeed that is peter hood all indiana bets you will see him all weekend long on wish tv thank you for watching us all week ahead of countdown to kickoff week 4 11 a.m on wish ac and the entire gang we'll see you from lucas pete be good appreciate you 
Check out more podcasts from the All Indiana Podcast Network now, now. at allindianapodcastnetwork.com. All.